Talk Recorded live. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our Sunday night Bible study on Talk Shoe. Glad to have you people there, my faithful listeners. In the chat room, I appreciate it very much you being there, and I apologize for the ones that got knocked out. I have no control over that whatsoever. Um, I hope they log back in, come in from a different way or something. It's um, I don't like to see folks log in and get kicked out. However that happens, I don't know anything about it. But anyway, tonight we're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 10. But first of all, I want to dedicate a song to two of my brothers, one way across the pond over in the once enchanted island of Albion, Brother Brian, and way down under, Brother Pete. I love you guys very much. Once one Brother Pete I met, Brother Brian I have not met, but whom I love dearly, and I know by our emails and and what we pitter-patted back and forth that we have a lot in common. But this this song that I want to play is dedicated to you two. All right, and um, this is from 2004, and it's from the soundtrack of King Arthur. So enjoy. Whether you like it or whether you don't, I do, guys. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to play this song, and then we will get on to more serious business. I love you guys, by the way.
Okay, back to reality. Back to reality. What you got in there, Brother David, to talk about battle against the flesh? Well, we're going to talk about that tonight, Brother. <laughs> I think that we talk about that just about every program. But, yeah, amen. Amen. We'll we'll see. We'll see. Usually, usually the Spirit of God will lead me in the right direction. I was telling Brother Kevin, that's the way I do. I, I'll just go ahead and tell you guys. I go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation over and over and over again. And um, I'll pick up, and the Lord will send me off in a certain direction. But he hasn't sent me off in a certain direction this week. And it's unusual. Y'all should know that. That's very unusual. Um, maybe maybe between now and tomorrow night, he'll give me something. I'm, I'm going to spend all day tomorrow looking. Anyway, glad to have all you folks here tonight. Um, again, I'll say that. And hello, Brother Jason. Hello, Brother Don. <laughs> I know y'all think, what's he playing that old music for? Uh, <laughs> oh, well, that's just that's just between me and the Lord and um, Brother Brian and Brother Pete. So y'all guys will just have to suck it up on that one. <laughs> anyway, I hope you guys like that. If you did, to understand the song, you would have to have seen, you'd have to have seen the, the uh, movie back in 2004. It's King Arthur. Anyway, it was an excellent movie. Hope you guys um, enjoyed it. I did, anyway. Anyway, we're going to be in Mark chapter 10 tonight, and um, tomorrow night, don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Brother Jason, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Heavenly Father, we come to you tonight in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for this opportunity, Father, to gather together in your name to study your word. We lift Brother Don up to you, Lord, and we ask that you bless him and fill him with your Holy Spirit, Lord, as he leads us through the scriptures tonight. We ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins. Amen. And, Lord, we plead the blood and we just pray, Lord, that you would show us how you would like us to walk in your way. And we pray for the same as far as the downloaders go, Lord, that you would touch their hearts as well. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Um, earlier I was mentioning about something that happened to me this afternoon, and usually this kind of stuff doesn't doesn't bother me because I've kind of gotten callous to it. But this afternoon I went down to the local store, and I had to spend about 20 minutes down there. I had to stand in line. I counted 55 blacks that came into the store. You have an in two Indians that run the store, and yet fifty five blacks came in. Only one white folk. We're talking about the only store open over here. All right, this is what I live in. This is not a, 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 a isolated case. Trust me. All right, but it flew all over me. I mean, I talk about getting getting in the flesh. I was just, I got to thinking, my mind started racing about our people killing our people uh, for all these centuries and years. Killing our own people all the time. That's the reason I had such a, a trouble when Brother Emmett was here understanding this deal between North and South Ireland. And then again, we had the same thing here in the States. It's always... Haven't you folks noticed 
that it's always, as, as a general rule, we're killing each other. We're either killing our brothers in Germany. Now they're trying to get it where we kill our people in Russia. It, it, and it, it outraged me, all right, to the point that I'm not going to say on air what the, the direction I headed all of a sudden, okay? I'm not even going to go there. I got better sense. But I'm telling you, I got outraged. It just took my mind off, and I got to thinking. I, I started, I, I, I'm airing my laundry now, I guess, but I'm just going to do it anyway. I mean, I got tears in my eyes thinking about this. Every time you turn around, the enemy turns us against each other. This is ridiculous. I don't care if it's doctrinal. I don't care. There is no reason for this pride and arrogance and vanity that runs among our people. Not if the Spirit of God dwells in you. There's no reason for it. And it's always a brother against a brother. There's no sense in it, my God. I know I'm not, this is no grand revelation. I'm sure some of you had the same thoughts, but it burned me up. And these people that kick people off, guaranteed, guaranteed there are brothers doing it. There are brothers doing it. The ones with the high IQs that are in this intelligent stuff, there are people. All right? 98% of them is our own people. What? Why can't the, the fog lift and the veil go away and people understand that if we just got together and throw our differences aside, what we could do? Now, maybe that's just rambling and makes no sense to any of y'all, all right? But I got livid this afternoon. I, I'm serious. I mean, I and it's still, I, I'm, my face is probably still red. It, there's no sense in what's going on. Division, division, division. Divide and conquer. It goes right back with what I was teaching for the last four weeks, last four programs about the mind of intelligent evil. So what if somebody believes this little bitty thing different? If you can't center around the blood of Christ, if you can't center around the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and let this other little doctrinal mess go to hell in a handbasket, something's wrong. There's pride involved. And I include myself in that as well. All right. I include myself in that as well. Now, if it takes away from the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's a different ball game. Because they'll be, they'll be steering people away from the way, the truth, and the life. All right? That's different. That's different. But on petty matters, there's no reason for division. And it just keeps, there's more splinters. You've heard me mention this in the past, folks, how when this country was great, there were two, there was only two divisions, and they never, they weren't divided over anything but prophecy. That was the Methodist and the Presbyterian Church. That's when our country was pure and great. 
All right? They never discussed prophecy because they disagreed on it. But they fellowshiped together, and they got along. All right? They just didn't discuss what they disagreed on. But they all agreed on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's splinter here, splinter there, splinter here, splinter there. And you wonder why the Muslims grow like they grow, okay? Now, you can't say nothing for the blacks. They just, you know, they don't don't even deserve a mention as far as unity goes. They couldn't be unified on anything because they're all about flesh. But there's just no reason that our people should not be fellowshipping. Let me let me tell you what. On this program here, and on the other programs of our people, there's no reason that we should not be with each other supporting one another. I know y'all y'all, y'all probably freaking out right now that Brother Don's saying this, okay? But I am. There's no reason for the division. Other than pride, arrogance, and vanity. And stuffed shirts. That's all it is. That's all it is. Remember what Christ said? Remember what Christ told his disciples when they come and said, Hey, those guys are not with us, and they're casting out demons. And what did the Lord say? As long as they're not against us, they're with us. Okay? I love my people. And I got and I, I'm so tired. Like I was talking about in the program about go and read Deuteronomy twenty nine. About the alien getting higher and higher and us getting lower. I'm tired of that, folks. I'm so tired of it and it really showed this afternoon. I mean I really, really got bent out of shape. And I even got to warning, my goodness, if somebody implanted something in my brain years ago and now it's like all of a sudden kicked in because that's how aggravated I got, all right? There's just no sense in this division. There's no sense in it. But it's impossible that offenses come. But woe unto who they come. Y'all have heard me quote that a dozen times. It's just, it's just it's bad. Anyway, I had to get that off my chest. So, Mark chapter ten, brother Jason. <clears throat> well, let 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 me let me open in another word of prayer, brother, before we get started. I got to get calmed down because I'm still been out of shape. Heavenly Father. I pray with all my heart, Lord, that you'd cleanse each and every one of us of any unforgiven sin that may be in our life, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move in and fill each and every one that's under the sound of my voice, Lord. Fill us and give us a spiritual understanding of your word, Lord, like only the Holy Spirit can show us. Father, I pray for the ones that's lonesome out there tonight. The ones that's by themselves, Father, with only their guardian angel and the spirit being witness with them. Father, I pray that you'd give them comfort. 
Father, I pray for Brother Steve that's, that's sick. I pray that you would heal him, Father. I pray that the Spirit of God would come over him and heal him, Father, and to where he can be back and doing the things that he needs to do. Give Sister Julie the grace and mercy to take care of him and watch over him, Father. Take care of him. Take care of Brother Pete down in Australia, Father. He's separated from all of us. I pray that you'd watch over him and put a hedge about him. Take care of him, Lord. He's down there with nobody to fellowship with and nobody to talk to. Same with Brother Brian over in Great Britain, Lord. Be with him, comfort him, protect him, Father. Put a smile on his face. Take the pain away out of his life, Father. Give him a good week this coming week. Comfort him like only you can do, Father. I pray for Jason, Lord, that you would direct him in the right path to go, that you'd fill him with your spirit. Show him, Lord, what your will is for his life to where he can't miss it, to where he'll have to make a full-blown choice on which direction he goes. And where he'll know that that's what he's doing. And Brother Kevin, watch over him, Lord. We're not that far apart. We talk all the time, Lord. But still, watch over him and protect him. Give him grace and mercy to keep on growing and growing and growing in your grace and in your knowledge, Lord like I've seen happen over the years. Give him peace in everything that he does. Give him plenty of work. Keep his job straight. Give him good employers, good contracts, and everything that he does, Lord. I pray for, I pray for all these people, Lord. You know I pray for them on a daily basis. But I just had an extra special feeling to pray tonight. And I pray for Brother William up in North Carolina, that you'd protect him and give him comfort, Lord. Watch over him, his home. Bless all those he loves. Take care of them, Lord. Give them special blessings and give Brother William special comfort. Be with us tonight as we go through the scriptures, Lord. Protect your people, Lord. Protect your remnant. The ones that won't hear the word, Lord, be merciful to them. Give them another chance. For we know if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. For the God of this world has blinded their minds. Father, I pray that you'd lift that veil from our people. Lift that veil like it was once lifted, Lord. When we were a strong country, a strong nation, we repent of our sins. Lord, we've all turned worldly. We've all got a worldly streak in us, Lord, that needs to be cast away and gotten rid of. We seem to gratify the flesh more than we want to love our brothers and sisters and put ourselves secondary and third to your will. We think about our own wants, Lord, our own desires, our own selfishness all the time. That's the way it is in this country now, Lord. We make excuses for our sins. We justify our actions, and it's wrong. And we repent of it, Lord. Father, don't abandon your remnant. Please. 
please, Lord, don't. If there be some way, if it's in your plan, some way, Father, to bring your remnant together as a force, because where you are and your people, it doesn't matter about anybody else, Lord. We are a majority then. If it be possible, lift that veil, Lord. If it's in your plan somewhere, I pray this with all my heart, Lord. We repent to you, Lord. We repent of all our wickedness, all our sorry self, fleshy ways, Lord. We repent of it right now. And we ask for your grace and mercy and strengthening in the Holy Ghost. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake alone, not ours, Lord, but for his sake, because he's the one that died for us, the kinsman redeemer. We ask this in his precious name for his sake alone. Amen and amen. Okay. Amen. Mark chapter 10. In Mark <clears throat> chapter 10 tonight, folks, we're going to see some paradoxes. There's, um, You're going to see... Jesus used paradoxes to teach. And as we go through each one of them, it should be plain to you. This is something that's not dealt with out there very much, especially among our persuasion. And um, it's very important that you understand there'll be spiritual lessons in what's coming up that you won't find nowhere else. This is coming straight out of the essence of God manifest in the flesh and mouth, some of these things, okay? I want you to keep that in mind. This is not just, we're not just flippantly going to go through here and fly through here, Lord willing. We're going to try to deal a little bit with each one. Mark chapter 10, verse 1, brother. Go ahead. And he arose from thence and cometh into the coast of Judea by the farther side of Jordan, and the people resort unto him again and as he was wont he taught them again and the Pharisees came to him and asked him is it lawful for a man to put away his wife tempting him oh yeah always 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 tempting him the Pharisees don't know how many Jews is in the bunch, we guarantee there's some. Always trying to tempt him. They could care less. They knew the answer. They had the scriptures, but they're fixing to get a different slant on things. Coming up. Next verse, brother. And he answered and said unto them, What did Moses command you? Okay, anybody can turn to Deuteronomy 24. Deuteronomy 20 and 22, and find out. There's a few things down through here we're going to run across that probably nobody thinks about. But Deuteronomy 24 is the primary chapter of what he's talking about. How did What did Moses command you? Okay, go ahead, brother. And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorcement and to put her away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. Okay. He said, For the hardness of your heart. That word hardness 
is sclerosis in the Greek. Did you know that? You know, that's where we get sclerosis of the liver. Yeah, that's that word hardness right there in English is sclerosis in the Greek. For the hardness of your hearts, he wrote you this precept. So uh, immediately you see the problem with human nature. It was not that way from the beginning. He's fixing to tell. He's fixing to explain that. Jesus is fixing to go into that. Now we're fixing to get into marriage and divorce big time. And there, this, and I am the last one on this earth that can give anybody advice on what to do in a marriage. All right, and I'll admit that. But I can, I can assure you that I am, am an expert and telling you what not to do if you want to stay together, all right? When I th- just go ahead and finish this, this, this um, what he says here, brother. Go ahead, and then I'll make some comments. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Okay. From the beginning, God made them male and female, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. So to heck with the queers. All right? For this cause shall a man... I'll take it from right here, brother, okay? For the next few verses. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. Now, folks, if you were with me when I taught 1 Corinthians chapter 7, because we're fixing to go there, all right? We're fixing to go to 1 Corinthians 7 shortly and see what Paul has to say about this certain thing. He had special revelation from Jesus Christ. I want you to remember something when the Lord's talking here, okay? He's talking before the crucifixion. Remember who he's talking to either Israelites or Israelite Jew mixed Pharisees, and he's talking with, uh, in the sense of the old covenant. He is not, the new covenant is not in effect yet. All right? So before anybody wants to blow out a clutch plate and spin their wheels and scream about why I'm running to the Apostle Paul to explain this thing, it's because... Paul gives his dissertation on marriage, and there's a, there's one that really, you know, he better be speaking from the Lord because he never got married. But anyway, he's speaking through special revelation. And throughout Paul's talk about marriage, which is the whole chapter in 1 Corinthians 7, he is very honest and tells you when it's the Lord talking is give him this information and when it's only his opinion. So keep that in mind. Keep in mind who the Lord here is talking to and at the time period he's talking. There is no saved by grace yet. There is no Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 yet. All right? There is no justification by grace and faith yet. It has not happened. That's where a lot of people fall off 
the bandwagon. They 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 misinterpret scripture. Not they don't interpret scripture in the light of what the scripture says about itself. That's the problem. All right. And it's got nothing to do with them being stupid or arrogant, or it's got nothing to do with them being evil and wicked. It's got to do with their right methods of interpretation because they will not allow the Scripture to interpret the Scripture. All right? That's the problem. I'm not talking bad about them. I'm just saying that's their problem. And they twain shall be one flesh. I've taught you all from the very beginning that marriage is not a ceremony. There was no such things as there were marriage, there was wedding suppers, but there was no marriage, quote unquote, ceremony till the Catholic Church started it as a sacrament. There was no wedding license, no marriage license till 1883. Nobody had to go buy a marriage license. The first one that was sold was in Chicago, Illinois, to a black and a white woman. All right? Now, if you re- that's just the facts. I'm not saying what you do is right. If, what, if you do this or do that, I'm not, I'm not going into that, okay? But marriage is flesh joining flesh. And I'm going to prove it to you again. If you, if you got ears to hear and eyes to see when we go to 1 Corinthians 7. Paul makes it plain. plain it, if you deny it, you deny it at the peril of, of denying the Scriptures. That's what marriage is. It's flesh joining flesh. What do you think cleave means? <laughs> Say, what do you think cleave means? Cleave one to another. You think he's talking about hugging? Oh, yes. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more two, or twain, but one flesh. And oh man, does Paul, does Paul ever say, when he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 5, when he's talking about uh, the body of Christ, and talking about a husband and wife relationship, and he talks about, he, he said, but I'm speaking concerning Christ and the church. But this is a great mystery. And he, he, and he could have said it five more times and could keep on saying it because it is. Those that just blow over, they, they want to try to allegorize Christ and the church. You better go back and read Ephesians chapter 5 because that is one of the, there's only two great mysteries in the New Testament and that's one of them. The other one is the mystery of godliness. They don't nobody can understand, can explain that. Okay, how God can be, how God can be God praying to God at the same time walking in the flesh. Hey, hey, that's why it's a great mystery, folks. All those people out there, that you just you don't pray to yourself. All right, how do you explain that? How can Christ be God? How can he be, he, he be baptized and the Father say, and there's my son whom I'm well pleased, and yet be baptized at the same time? You see what I mean? 
all you people out there, I forget what they call themselves. Uh, it, it slips my mind right now. But it, it's just ridiculous. Jesus Christ is God manifest in the flesh, or in the best, the best way to break it down, he is the essence of God in human form. All right? Now that that's the um that's the that's the easiest way I can put it to you. That's what he is. But anyway, I got off on that. <clears throat> one they two shall be one flesh. So when two people are joined together in marriage and we're fixing to go find this out, they're married. All right? And from the beginning that's the way it was between Adam and Eve. And from the beginning that's the way it's supposed to have stayed. But for the hardness of everybody's heart, Moses allowed them to get a divorce. Okay? And I'll make a few com- more comments about this before we go to 1 Corinthians 7 as we go on down through here. Brother Jason, verse 9, please. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. And in the house, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. Okay, in verse 9, what, the, uh, what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Let's just stop and look at this for a minute. This should show you the seriousness of marriage. All right? What God hath joined together. See, this is where the, the 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 popish fools get off on their ceremony deal. That 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 the Pope is is uh, vicarious filly d in the Latin, which means he's God. He's, whatever he speaks is straight from God. Is what they think. Okay, he's speaking ex cathedra or from the seat. He wears that little Dagon fish god hat. That on it is written vicarious Philly D in the Latin, by the way. Substitute Son of God. That's what that means, vicarious Philly D in the Latin. But anyway, this is where they get it. Oh, therefore, what God has joined together so well, since he is the vicar of Christ and we are the bishops and the pope, we can join them together in the name of God. No. <laughs> no. The only marriage that ever took place where God actually did the joining together was in the Garden of Eden. So before two people enter into flesh joining flesh and becoming married, there ought to be some commitment to God. You see? Because if you rely on just it being a piece of paper and what a preacher says... Then all you got to do is tear the paper up and get a divorce. See, we're going to get into that a little bit more too. But for the hardness of your heart, Moses said he 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 allowed you to put away your wife. Anyway, brother Jason, next verse. And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another commit adultery against her. It's very important that that word against is there. 
All right, and I'll tell you why in just a few seconds. Go ahead, brother. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. And I imagine these people were flipping and turning backflips, and everybody listening was scratching their head and, and just shaking their head because guess what? What he has done here. He has given in the right to a woman to put away her husband, it looks like. He has opened up women's lib because there ain't nothing in the Old Testament about a woman putting away her husband. Go find it if you think it's there, ladies. All you lawyers, downloading lawyers out there, go back and find it, you women lawyers. <laughs> it ain't there. Okay? He is interjecting something new. God same today, yesterday, and forever. Is that right? See? See, I'm pointing out to you folks the switching, the changing, how things are changing over. I want you to get this. I want you to understand this concept as we finish the Gospels and go into the book of Acts. It's imperative that you do. That you understand the transformation from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This has got nothing to do with my my teaching, got nothing to do with my background. Got, it's, this has got to do with Scripture, and that's the reason I am stopping and showing you what's in front of your face so you will know what's coming up. The Lord is transferring from the old covenant to the new before the new takes effect. And he's doing it little by little by little by little. Because when everybody writes, with hindsight being 2020, they'll look back and they'll see it. Because now we're setting up 2,000-something years later, looking back and we can see it. Therefore, we know because it's written down. There is, this is new, folks. This is new. And that's what's going on here. He's interjecting something new. And in just a few minutes, we're going to go over and see the final summation of it in 1 Corinthians chapter, the last part of 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and the 1 Corinthians chapter 7 to the Apostle Paul. Next verse, brother. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased, and he said unto them, Suffer the little whoa, children... Whoa, 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 you missed a verse, brother. You skipped verse 13. I did. And they brought young children to him, that he should touch them, and his disciples rebuked those that brought them. Okay, let's just, let me make a few more comments here in verse 12. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. I want you folks, you can write this in the chat room, or Brother Jason, Brother Kevin, if you see what has happened here in Jesus' own comments before I point it out to you, all I want to see if you see it. There's a big deal that's just happened here. And ladies, I hate it for you. 
I mean, I'm, that's I, I really do. But anyway, I want you guys to look this, look at those verses, okay? What the Lord said. I want you to show me the difference. I want you to I want you to see in the difference in verse eleven and verse twelve. I'll just narrow it down for you, you know, without spelling it out. What's the difference? Against her versus not against him. You got it. Bingo. The man doesn't commit adultery. He commits adultery against the woman, against her. And down here, the woman actually commits adultery. Folks, they nobody going to point that out to y'all because it's too sexist. Okay, to anti-women's lib. But Paul's going to get worse than that. He'll do the same thing in a different way. All right. Let's go to Acts chapter 7. First, I mean, um, first, uh, first Corinthians chapter 6. I want you to read the last few verses in First Corinthians chapter 6. And then go straight in to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Folks, you people, get in your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to see this. I'm going to show you this about this marriage thing, that it's not a piece of paper, and it ain't got nothing to do with any preacher getting up there spouting off some cute words. It's got to do with commitment. It's a commitment to God and each other. And the marriage, when the marriage, ta- when the consummation is made, that is the marriage. It is so plain coming up here you couldn't miss it with you couldn't miss it with a missing machine unless you're just so steeped in tradition and steeped in what your preacher told you or steeped in what somebody else told you, especially the ones with the Catholic backgrounds, that you just can't you can't that you just can't get the veil off your eyes. All right? I want you to start in verse fourteen. And God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? That, excuse me, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? Okay, to get the context, let's go right back up here. Let's just drop back up here to see how important this is. Let's go go back up here to verse 12. Verse 12. All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly and the belly for meats. But God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication. Stop right there. You got it? Don't see the body is not got nothing to do in this context with race mixing. Yeah, got it? Do you see it in the context? Got nothing to do with race mixing. This has got to do with illicit sex. He's gonna tell you in the next few verses. Yes. 
got a question in the chat room from David Kennedy. Yeah. Yes, which is worse, against her or not? This is which is worse. Oh, it's very. It's the woman. woman. The woman is the worst. Because the because remarriage is allowed to them. Anyway, we'll get into it in First Corinthians seven, brother David. It's the woman is the one that actually does the committing adultery. And I know this sounds straightening it a gnat over one word, but that one word sends the whole doctrine into into a tailspin. All right. But absolutely yes, it's worse for the woman. And without getting graphic and and uh, and lurid, you folks figure it out. All right, you're grown adults. Think about it. Okay, think about it. But we'll get into a little bit more of that in 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 First Corinthians chapter seven, brother David. Okay. Start at the comma and continue reading, brother. Brother Jason. Yes, uh, we were in verse... We were in verse 13 and at the comma after fornication. But for the Lord and the Lord for the body, and God, God hath both raised up the Lord and will also raise up us by his own power. Okay. Now, okay, wait, wait a minute. He just mentioned fornication. It ain't resurrection. It's illicit sex. All right? How do you know that? Because he tells you in verse 15. Go ahead and read, brother. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? Now what? watch what he says in verse 16. He's going to quote Mark chapter 13. He's going to quote Mark chapter 10. Watch it. Go ahead, brother. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two, saith he, saith who? Saith he, Jesus Christ. For two, saith he, saith who? Jesus Christ and God the Father. Go ahead, brother. Shall be one flesh. Now y'all can spin your wheels, jump up and down. You downloaders can turn back flips and call it heresy all you want to. Do you see it, brother Jason? Is, yep. it, is it just plain as day? Plain. Plain. And anybody, you deny it, you deny it at your own peril, just spit in God's face. The words of God can't be true. It's all a lie. See? Now, that's not popular. That's contradictory to 98%. I'll take that back. 99% of mainstream Christianity, folks. All right? And the ones that, that understand a little bit of it go the other direction. They fornicate, and oh, they, whenever they decide they want to settle down, they'll call it marriage. You see, you've got two main extremes. All right? You've got two main extremes. Both of them's wrong. I've just showed you what was right. I've showed you what, the, what marriage literally is. It's a commitment to God and the person, and it's consummated with flesh joining flesh. 
That's what marriage is. Now, you can run into Romans chapter 13, verse 1 to 4, obey the powers that be, for they are ordained to God. You see, all this stuff, you've got to put it all together. All right? And make up your mind. Paul just told you, right back up here in verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I'll not be brought under the power of any. And folks, if you go up and look at the list right above this, this is going to shock a lot of y'all folks because you hadn't been taught the book the right way. All right? This is under grace. This is, this is what everybody wants to talk about. All these people supposedly lost their salvation. All right? Because they fell in the flesh. All right? That's because they don't want to see the truth. I've taught you the truth. Not that I'm special and not that I'm smart. I just believe the book, folks. Paul warns. He warns. I've got to cover this since I've opened this can of worms. I'll handle the reading of these verses, Brother Jason. Up in verse 9, Paul says, this, all right? I hate to go back to teaching Corinthians again, but it looks like I'm going to have to since I opened it up. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God, okay? Now, most folks, they'll land right here, and they will say, there ain't nobody does what's coming up and can inherit the kingdom of God, all right? The kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom, folks. Paul tells you that plainly in 1 Corinthians 15. It's not flesh and blood. Do you understand? Scripture with Scripture. And that's all there is now is the kingdom of God. There will be no kingdom of heaven until the king shows up. Then they'll both be together and merge as one. That's part of that great mystery of Ephesians chapter 5. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Question mark. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, neither, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And they'll stop right there and they'll preach everybody into hell without checking the cross reference. In Ephesians 5, Brother Jason, turn to Ephesians 5 while I'm talking. Now then, get this. Do you know what effeminate is up here, folks? And abusers of themselves with mankind. I don't have to get graphic. Let's just call it queers and lesbians and fruitcakes and Frisco fruities and, and all the junk. Even, even men that act like women, okay? 
It says they'll not inherit the kingdom of God. That was Paul's choice in this Corinthian church. Who's he writing to? He's writing to the Corinthians here. What about the Corinthians? Go back and listen to chapter 1 where I taught 1 Corinthians. That's the very first book I taught when I started this trek, okay? And I did it for a reason. Because that Corinthian church, <laughs> is, it, it sounds like a list of who's who in Christian identity. All right? That's just the bottom line. It sounds like a who's who list when you go through First and Second Corinthians. Backbiting, bickering, one man living with his daddy's mama, you might, with his with his daddy's wife. I mean, you just you just you talking about a bunch of sap suckers, all right? You talk about a bunch of carnal reprobates. You got CI on steroids in First and Second Corinthians. That's why I started there. But anyway, not getting off on that that topic. But they'll stop right here where it says, "Shall inherit the kingdom of God." And then the very next verse, they don't want to deal with that. They'll read over it, and they won't stop. And such were some of you. And such were some of you. Some of you who? Corinthians. What were they? Effeminate. Abusers of themselves with mankind. Adulterers. Fornicators. Idolaters. You want me to keep on? See what I mean? Now you're starting to understand how important the grace of God is. And you understand why I'm always talking about the mercy and grace of God and why this is the gospel of the grace of God now. Because you know what happens to adulterers, to all the lawyers out there that I didn't mention a while ago and, and should have. But the reason there was such a conflict in those folks' minds was because the adulterers we're supposed to be killed according to Exodus 20 and chapter chapter 20 and chapter 22. Did you know that? Okay? So what this what's this adultery, you know, put away giving a, a riding a divorce? Well, they're supposed to kill the suckers. That's for all the lawyers out there. They don't even know the law and claim, and that's all you hear come out of their mouth. But such were some of you. Some of you who? Corinthian under the, Corinthians under the New Covenant, a gangly bunch of heathens, okay? <laughs> bunch of babies in Christ, First Corinthians chapter 2. Wanted to speak to them as, as spiritual, but couldn't because they were all carnal. See that colon there? Such were some of you. Conjunction. But you're washed. Oh, we took, I took no bath. Yes, you did. In the blood of Jesus Christ. If you trusted him, you're washed in the blood. Where do you think the old Christian hymn comes from? Are you washed in the blood? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. 
Are your garments right? What righteous are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? This is where it comes from, folks. Those people that make fun of of the all the wonderful hymns sang, they're scriptural. They come out of the book. If you trusted Christ, ye are washed. Ye are sanctified. That means, this, oh my, oh, 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 I think I'm just going to get up and run around the room. You're washed. Your sins are washed away. Paul's preaching a message here. Oh, this is a three-point sermon right here. Your sins are washed away. You're sanctified, which means set apart for the Master's use. But ye are washed. Ye are sanctified. But ye are justified, justified, just as if you'd never sinned at all. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, how? By the Spirit of God. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. That's the way you put Scripture together. That's biblical doctrine. Now then, in case some of you downloaders are hanging on, have no inheritance in the kingdom of God, let's go listen to the list again in Ephesians and watch closely what Paul says. Paul is, first of all, go in Ephesians 5, brothers, start reading about verse, just start reading at verse 1. But and while I'm going to talk about something just a second first. Now, keep in mind, this Corinthians, like I said, is CI on stuff. This is Corinthians Incorporated, CI, you know. <laughs> That's what CI means, Corinthians Incorporated. You did know that, didn't you? <laughs> That's what it means. It means Corinthians Incorporated. Now, this is a this is a rabbling lot. Bunch of drunks, you know. They get drunk, having the Lord's Supper, and half of them get drunk and keep all their food over to themselves and wouldn't give to their brothers that didn't have, you know. Like I said, this is a this is a motley crew. Okay, now let's 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 wheel over here to Ephesians, where in the first few verses he tells you that he were seated that you were you were chosen before the foundation of the world. Ephesians is the heavenly book. Ephesians is some people that got the doctrine right the first go around. They they were they were big time on head knowledge. They got straightened out in their doctrine, right? Let's see what Paul says to the Ephesians about this same about these same topics here. Okay, about these these uh, effeminate, about these extortioners, adulterers, covetous, all the stuff. Okay, they all fall in the same list, folks. By the way, just keep just watch what just watch what he says. Go ahead, brother, kick it off. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. Savor. Savor. But fornication... And all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you, 
as becometh saints. You see, you become. You see, to all the people out there, to 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 some of the brothers and sisters out there that believe it's all genetic and that that it's all it's all it's all you know all Israel gonna be all that stuff. Okay, all that stuff. They just need to slow down and read the book and believe what they read. Of course, if they're reading some comic book and some fairy tale that somebody decided they would drum up because the real word of God didn't suit them and they couldn't they couldn't teach their blasphemous doctrines with the real word of God, you know, then I got no, you know, I hate it for them. But if you slow down and read, as becometh saints. I thought they were saints all along anyway. That's not what Paul says. As becometh saints. You see, you want to switch it on back to John chapter 1. It came into his own, his own received him not, but as many as did. See, it's a remnant, folks. It's a remnant. <laughs> it's a remnant. It's not heresy. This is Bible. As become a saints. All kind of filthiness. He talks about, and covetous. This is the same list, just a little change in the words. Keep on, brother, brother Jason. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. Okay. I want you, you my goodness, jesting, bragging, foolish talking, talking about something that, that's just... Women do it all the time. Just about nothing. Be talking at the same time, neither one listening to each other, and just running off the mouth. Nothing that leads to a certain subject with a with a decent topic that's got anything that's positive at the end. That's foolish talking, folks. This is in the same list with the queers, the covetous, and covetous and idolaters. You got it? You see? Why don't you see, folks? I'm gonna calm down. I, I, it just burns me up. That my people are so screwed up out there. It's in the same list with the faggots. Okay. The bragging, digesting is in the same list with the faggots. It's not convenient. But rather, giving of thanks. First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians 5.21 In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's the way you put doctrine and put scripture together and come to sound doctrine, folks. Verse 5, brother. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater. Okay, has... okay, well, won't you stop that comma? Won't you stop that comma? Let me let, let him run down this list one more time. Whoremongers. Unclean persons, covetous man, idolaters, jesting, that's bragging, all right? Foolish talking, covetous up here, saying, oh, from verse 3 on down, the list, folks. It's the same list in 1 Corinthians, all right? For this know ye, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous, Man, who is an idolater, comma, hath any inheritance 
in the kingdom of God. You see his choice of words here? And back in Corinthians, what did it say, Brother Jason? Cannot inherit, didn't it? It did. Well, I know it. Yeah, of course it did. It said cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Well, here it says hath no inheritance in the kingdom of God. Folks, do you understand what Paul is doing? Now, I'm going to put your, your Christian spiritual thinking cap on. Do you see how Paul is no different than than Brother Jason, Brother Kevin, Brother Steve, Sister Julie, Brother Brian, Brother Peggy? He's no different. Papa Cat, no, he's a flesh and blood man, but he's approaching this from a different direction. There is no rebuking these Ephesians. They've got their act together. The Corinthians, Paul is strong. He is putting on, he's putting a lead on their head. Okay? He's telling them the truth. He's telling them the, the honest to God truth from the Word of God that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But he is having to deal tougher with them than he's having to deal with the Ephesians. Does that make common sense to y'all? Do you understand that, Jason? Yes, sir. Okay. Hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. All right. Folks, you've heard me screaming about rewards. It's the inheritance, the reward aspect that you work for now. Your daily life, when presented with the opportunity or looking for the opportunity to do for the Lord. This is where your inheritance and your rewards come in. They are earned. That's where your free will comes in as the elect remnant of Israel. Do you understand that now? Please understand this. You will be a pauper. I can't, I, the, the scripture is not completely plain. Now then, the Lord has just given me what we're going to talk about tomorrow night. Thank you, Jesus. I'll tell you all at the end of the program. It's the rewards, folks, that you're here for. It's, your, it's not only are, is it the rewards, your payday, as Brother Dan Allen used to say, in heaven, but it's your position. It's earned. Second Timothy chapter 2. We've been over it a million times. It should, you ought to be able to quote it. Now, how in the world did I get off on this talking about marriage, you might think? Because I opened the can of worms and I was not going to put the lid on it till I got this out of my system. Okay? That's why. So, yes, we have ran a rabbit. We have went off on a dog trail, all right? But it's for a good reason. You folks need to get this down. If you don't get nothing down, you need to get this down. Your rewards are what you breathe and see and walk around daily life. It builds your character for your rulership, your ability, your positions in the kingdom as the elect. And what you do as to your, gives you inheritance and rewards to do with, that you use that to do with, if your position in the kingdom of God in heaven, it's the, kingdom, the literal, physical, visible kingdom of heaven. 
That's the rulership of cities. That's the rulership of people. We're not going to jump off and go that direction. I've told you a million times, there's some folks you're going to be ruler over. You are the elect of God. You're the bride of Christ. You're the chosen ones. Your free will comes in as you walk day by day to gain your inheritance, certain parts of your inheritance and reward. But if you do this stuff up here, you're not going to have none. And if you do fall, you better get it under the blood and get back on the straight and narrow. Because it's not convenient that you do any of this stuff. Paul tells you that he uses the very word right here in verse 6. I thought it was verse 6. Anyway, anyway you're, it's not convenient. You're not, it, it, that should be far from your mind. Because you're supposed to have your Creator first in your life. Not your family. Not your cats. Not your dogs. Not your kids. Not, not your friends. No, 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 no. You're supposed to have your Savior in your life first. Everything else will take, it will take care of itself. Jesus first, others next, and guess what? Why? Oh, you last. That's where joy is, folks. Your people, you, your brothers, your sisters. If you're as consumed with them as you are with yourself, you would be happy. The kind of happy the Bible talks about, which is joy. That's one of the fruits of the Spirit, by the way. Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, temperance. You want me to go on? That's the fruits of the Spirit. They produce the outward stuff that's the inheritance, part of the inheritance, and the rewards. See, if you get your act together and in order, everything else will take care of itself. But a lot of people has went 20, 30, 40, 50 years serving their self. It's going to be a tough road to hold to change. And without the Spirit of God and some discipline, you won't change. That's the only way you can. Why do you think I'm always talking about getting naked with God, get in a dark room, fast a few days? If you mean business, that's what you will do. If you don't, you don't stand a snowball's chance in hell. And you'll be just as naked when you get to the other side as you were the day you were born. And that's, I'll go ahead and tell you, we're going to deal with rewards tomorrow night. And gain and loss. What happens if you don't have rewards? And what happens if you do? So, Brother David Kennedy, that's what we're going for tomorrow night. Let no man deceive you with vain words. It's done on a daily basis out there and a weekly basis. Oh, you're all those vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. 
we know who they are. You're not supposed to be partakers with them. That's what it says in the very next verse. Be not, be ye not, therefore, partakers with them. Now then, we got that out of the way for the time being. We'll deal with this more tomorrow night. Um, back to 1 Corinthians chapter, read the last couple of verses in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and go right into 1 Corinthians chapter 7, brother. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. Okay, folks, listen, Get watch what he says. Watch what he said. Every sin that a man committeth is without the body. Semicolon. Continue, brother. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. Now, how is it? You see, he sins against his own body. Why? Because he got married to the whore right above here. He joined his body to a harlot. Therefore, he sinned against his own body. And he turns around, he walks away from the harlot. He has entered into a marriage and then went on a divorce, a marriage and divorce, a marriage and divorce. That's what's happening, folks. And that's what Paul's warning against. Verse 19, brother. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? If I could ever, if, if the Spirit of God could drive it through some people's minds that they are not their own, if they're Christ. You are not your own if you're Christ. You are dropped down on the block. You have been ransomed. You have been redeemed. You've been bought back with a price. And that price was the precious blood of the essence of God manifest in the flesh. How much more awesome a price could you possibly imagine? That's the price that was paid for Jason and Kevin and Brian and Pete and Steve and Julie and William and every swing and downloader that downloads this program. Ye are not your own. Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your B-O-D-Y and in your S-P-I-R-I-T. Little s, your human spirit. Which are God's. 
You see, now, why? The Corinthian identities hate my guts. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, let's deal a little bit with this marriage stuff that we so I so unkindly departed from. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Brother Jason. Now, concerning the things whereof ye wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let Every man have his own wife, and let every woman have her own husband. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise also the wife unto the husband. The wife hath not power of her own body, but the husband. And likewise, also, the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Oh, by the way, that power over the woman is a a cross-reference right back to 1 Corinthians 6, where it tells the women that they ought to have power over their body because of the angels. Anyway, go ahead, brother. I'm not going to go that way. Go ahead. Defraud ye not one the other except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. Incontinency. But I speak this by permission. And not of commandment. Okay. See how honest that is? He's telling you he's speaking this by... The Lord has permitted him to say what he said. All right. In other words, the Spirit of God hadn't held him back from saying it. That's honesty, folks. Go ahead, brother. For I would that all men were even as... I myself. And that's old Paul, the old bachelor, saying he's wishing every man was like him. Well, if everybody would have did like him, there wouldn't be nobody today. <laughs> uh, this is funny if you think about it. Paul's telling everybody he wished they did all celibate like him. Well, if they had a man, there wouldn't be nobody to be teaching today. There wouldn't have been no expansion. There's just all kind of stuff that you could just read into that, okay? <laughs> That, that, this is the way, folks, you need to read the Word of God. Not because I do it, because this is the way the Lord shows you stuff and will speak to you out of His Word. He speaks to you out of the Word, okay? You don't speak to it. Brother David Kennedy said that so eloquently one night that that's what the problem with a lot of people is. They go and they look at the black and white letters thinking they're going to get a revelation. The revelation comes from letting those black and white letters speak to you through the Holy Ghost. That's the way you learn, folks. That's spiritual understanding. And Brother David Kendi said it so eloquently the other night, and nobody caught it. I caught it. It was wonderful. I thought it was great. Anyway, go ahead, brother. But every man hath his proper gift of God, 
one after this manner and another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide, even as I. But if they cannot contain, let them marry. That's right. If they can't contain, if they get to, I'm not going to get real graphic, but if they want companionship, let them marry. Go ahead, brother. For it is better to marry than to burn. Now, notice he said the widows, folks. You ladies keep that in mind. Widows. Go ahead. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. Watch it. Watch it close. Go ahead. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Do you folks see what do you see what he's just said? I'm not going I'll, I'll be here an hour if I don't continue on. Go ahead, brother. Do you see it, Jason? There's a double standard, folks. It's plain as day. There was a double standard back in Mark. There will also be a double standard for the other places where it's mentioned, and nobody wants to talk about it but us fools like me who don't mind people calling them an idiot, okay? I could care less what they think. I know what the book says. It's a double standard, period. But keep in mind, keep in mind, in Christ, see, I, I, I have to caveat what I'm telling you folks. This is by the letter. Where the letter is, it killeth, but the Spirit maketh alive. Keep that in mind. This is under grace now. The covenant is done sealed. The death of the testator has taken place. You're in the new covenant now. You got special revelation from the one that was called out to be specifically your... If you're an Israelite, you, you say you're an Israelite, of the ten scattered tribes. Is that right? Of course. Then who's the one that was called out to the scant ten scattered tribes? I've got to go there. I've got to keep you in memory of this, folks, if I never keep anything else in memory. You say you're the lost tribes of Israel, which we are. That's the Anglo-Israel truth. All right? All right. So turn to... We just went over it the other night, but I know 99.9% .9 of you has done flew off the top of your head and you done forgot it. I know human nature. I know Christians. Turn to Romans chapter 15. Brother Kevin knows exactly where I'm going. Guarantee you. He got this down a long, long time ago. Romans chapter 15, verse 8. So you're the lost tribes, huh? Oh, I'm Israelite. I'm a Israelite. I'm from this tribe. I'm from that. Are you really? Of course, I mean, you are. That's the Caucasian people. All right. Of course, we are. Do you really believe it? You know, I'm setting you up for the hammer. You know, I'm setting you up to stick it in deep, don't you? 
<laughs> you should know me well enough by now to know I'm fixing to drop a hammer right between your eyes. Especially to those downloaders. All them Israelites out there. <laughs> I'm fixing to drop the ball peen square between your eyes. Read verse 8, brother. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision stop, for the stop, truth of... Stop, stop, The circumcision was Judah. You're the ten tribes. You're scattered, right? <laughs> you're right. You want you, I'm fixing to show you uh, the Bible division within itself telling you it's divided, telling you what you're supposed to do. And if you don't understand this, there again, it'll just be just like letting joining your body to a harlot, being marriage. You deny it at your own peril. And if you, but what about this? Or yeah, but, yeah, but this. I can answer any yeah, but you got. This right here should be plain. Read verse 8, brother. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God. Okay, drop down to verse 15. Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Okay. Now, do you understand what you just read? Who's doing the talking back in Matthew 10, Brother Jason? Back in Matthew 10, who's, did you, absolutely, Jesus. Where, where is he at? Is he in Judea? Is he, is he in Israel? Brother Jason, I'm, I'm talking to you. Oh, the coast of Judea? Well, he's in Israel, right? Right. And we know that Judah is the one that was there with just a little bit of Benjamin, correct? Yep. Okay. Verse 8 says what? Verse 8 of Romans chapter 15. Mm-hmm says, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. Stop. That's You know what, who the circumcision was? It was Judah. Judah. That's correct. Well, what does it say down here in verse 15? Paul's a minister to who? Well, the, the, the Gentiles. The scattered Israelites. Scattered Israelites. Now, folks, do you see why I have taught you for going on two years that you always, when in doubt, you go to the Pauline epistles. You see? That's not heresy, folks. That's not tearing the book. That's listening to what the book says and not making some flimsy excuse to run back to Deuteronomy and Exodus and Numbers or stay in the Gospels like some of them people do. 
And all it is is just to pump up. They just find what they don't do, and maybe some people do, and they pound on what the other people don't do and make their own self out self-righteous. Guess what? No difference than them and a doggone Jew. I almost said it, Brother Tony, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, that's a private joke. There ain't no difference. Why? Why am I saying that? Because Paul tells them in Romans 10, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going to about to establish their own righteousness have not, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That's why we come to the epistles to get a final closure on this marriage and divorce, folks. You are Israelites? Well, let's see what the, the, the apostle to the Israelites had to say, okay? <laughs> if you're really Israelites and you really believe the Anglo-Israel truth, then you believe what he just got through telling you in Romans chapter 15. That is a clear division now, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not. You know, I'm not saying what God manifests in the flesh says is not important. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you bounce everything off the epistles because He got the final word. Because the Lord saw fit to come down and meet Him personally and teach Him for three years. You got it. You see, if you knew the whole scriptures and understood it all like that, understood exactly what took place then you would understand this yourself, and you wouldn't get led off to and fro with every wind and wave of doctrine. If you can't find it in the epistles, you better throw up a red flag. I've been saying it for a year, and that's not heresy, according to what you just read yourself. Continue on in 1 Corinthians 7. Let's see about this, this marriage and divorce stuff, brother. But to the rest speak, I, not the Lord. Okay, he's talking to the rest. The rest who? Excluding who? Excluding who he just got through talking about. But to the rest speak I. Excluding who he just got through talking about above there. Is that, is that, does that stick out plain, Brother Jason? It's self-explanatory. It's self-explanatory. That's exactly correct. Go ahead. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. Okay. If a, if a man is a brother and has a wife that believeth not, and he is happy with her, let him not put her away. We see? Well, you're, you ought to understand, you ought to realize, well, Second Corinthians 6 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You see? How you reconcile those two verses? Folks, I'm trying to teach y'all. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, 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 you, you ought to be listening. You ought to be sitting there with your ears perked listening. How could one verse say one thing, and the other verses say that one, th uh, one thing? They have to be reconciled. There has to be harmony. 
Okay? How could you harmonize those two things? It's very simple. These people were married before they before the brother became a brother, okay? Before he become justified, sanctified, and washed. <laughs> Continue reading, brother. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. What's the difference in those two statements, Brother Jason? I want you to tell me. You've been pretty sharp tonight. What's the difference <laughs> in those two statements? I was looking that over before you even asked the question. Uh, Just think double standard. I don't see it this time, Brother Don. Okay, I'll show it to you. He okay. says in verse 11, let not that guy put away his wife. And he tells the woman, let her not leave him. He didn't say anything about divorcing. He said don't leave him. Didn't tell I see. Her, said, don't tell her not to put him away. And remember back I showed you the uh, how important that word was back in Mark chapter 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, there you, there's your double standard. It's coming right on down through here. Verse 14. Go ahead, brother. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. That means set apart. That doesn't mean saved. That means set apart. He'll be able to hear the gospel. And if she, by her chaste conversation, you can cross-reference this for First First Peter chapter 3, which we're fixing to do. Continue reading, brother. Read verse 14, the whole thing. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, even were your children unclean, oh, excuse me, else were your children unclean, but now they, but now are they holy? They're holy. They're separate. Else, if they if they weren't sanctified by that believing spouse, they'd be bastards. You see, they'd be bastards because that they're not unbelieving has no part with an unbeliever. But the if they are already married, and it takes place, Paul tells the woman or the brother, "Don't depart from your wife, or don't depart from your husband, because they're sanctified." Let's see how that's true. Turn to First Peter chapter three, and I'll show you. Scripture with Scripture, context with context. We're dealing with marriage, folks. First Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3. Yep. Uh, start with verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjugation that's to subject, your own... Sub, sub, that's subjection, brother. Subjection. Be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also 
may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. Bingo. Bingo. There you go. That chase conversation of the wives. That sister can win over that unbelieving husband. And the children are set apart. Keep on reading, brother. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. All he's saying is don't don't look like a whore. Drop down to verse 4, brother. But let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. That hidden man of the heart is Jesus Christ in her are in the man the hope of glory. Back to 1 Corinthians 7, brother. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. That's not some heavenly thing. That's separate, okay? That's a partness. They were set there separated, and it says kept it's separated by the individual that is born again, spirit filled with the Holy Ghost, loves Jesus Christ. That's what that's what's taking place here. And that man has no idea of the treasure, or that woman has no idea of the treasure that she's around. And the person, if they obey the word and obey the book. The woman with a meek and quiet spirit, the man following Jesus Christ, putting Jesus first as his head in submission to God, will eventually win over the unbelieving one to the Lord. It'll be a chain reaction in that family, and it'll happen with the kids. It's happened for 2,000 years. It's happened that way for 2,000 years. And the reason some folks don't know it is because they don't know history, church history. Continue, brother. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in in such cases. If you've got a, if you are a Christian and you got a wife that's not a Christian, and she leaves. Adios. Sister, woman, if you've trusted Jesus Christ and your old man don't believe, don't believe, and he's never trusted Christ and he's gone, adios amigos, hit the road. You're not under bondage. In those cases, you're not under bondage. You're not under bondage. You are not under bondage. That's not my opinion. Brother Jason just read it. But, but, colon, 
God hath called us to peace. In other words, don't cause that man to leave, lady. Don't cause that woman to leave, brother. God's called you to peace. You do what you're supposed to do, and the will of God shall be done either way. That's all spiritual. That's all spiritual understanding. That's all got to do with believing the book. That's got to do with trusting Jesus Christ. That's got to do with obeying Christ. That's got to do with joy, joy, Jesus first, others next, you last. That's got to do with the whole ball of wax of Christianity. That's the whole ball of wax of the way, as it was once called. It used to really be a way, the way, all right? Keep on, brother. For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? <laughs> I thought I was joking. <laughs> Did you think I was making it all up? Folks, I know this book. I know especially these, these sisters like the back of my hand. All right? Just would to God I would have applied it in my own life when I had the opportunity. Yeah, you heard me. That's why I'm an expert in telling you what not to do if you want to stay married. Anybody want some advice on what not to do? Be glad to give it to you. All right? Be glad to give it to you. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick back and give some credit where credit's due for just a second. When I talk to people like Brother David Kennedy and see his, and, and and listen to him and his marriage and his wife and his kids. I am so I put them on a pedestal. All right. I'm not talking about in a sacrilegious way. I stand amazed. I could never cease to pray for that family. Same thing with Brother Tony Adams. And Sister Sue Adams, I forget they just had an anniversary, I forget how many years, something like 50 years, 55 years, something like that. I put those people on, I put them because they achieved something, they did something that is so, in my, in my eyes, is so remarkable. How could I ever, ever not pray for these people on a regular basis? Knock heaven's doors down for them. You see, folks, marriage is not about feeling. If you just want to boil it all down to the real nitty-gritty, they made a commitment to God. And God is important enough in their life that it doesn't matter if they get mad a few times. They've committed, they've made a commitment to the Lord himself. It should be a commitment when you make a commitment to a woman or woman, you make a commitment to a man, it should be made to God and the person, and you should stay together because of the commitment to hell with the feelings. The feelings will come and go. Take it from somebody that knows. Don't make the same mistake. 
in a godforsaken world with prenuptial agreements and everybody that gets married today, in the back of their mind, they think they've got a way out. You know what you should do? You know, divorce is one of the most important things in marriage, folks. You know why? Because once you make that commitment to God and to that person, you should divorce yourself from the thought of divorce. Because the enemy, if you've got it in your mind and you and you mess around with people that do do that stuff and you look and you watch stuff that and you've got it in the back of your mind, that spirit will push it toward the forefront. Push it toward the forefront. Push it toward... Why do you think our nation and our people are going to hell in a handbasket like they are? And how for the last 60-something years? Sure, there's always been a little divorce here. Look, not like it is now. The secret to marriage is divorce. And that's divorcing yourself from the thought of divorce. Play on words. Shouldn't be an option. Well, he got drunk and he, he beat Well, big deal. They beat the Lord, too. And she run around on me. Yeah, you run around on the Lord all the time whoring with the world. What about it? See, do you love him? Huh, huh, huh. You really love him? I thank God for people like Tony Adams and Sister Sue and Brother David and his wife and kids. I, I, I thank God for you. In a spiritual sense and in a good sense, you folks are my idols when it comes to relationship. Hey, I, I, hey, I don't live in delusions of grandeur. I know there's problems. That's the reason you're where you are. In my mind, I know you've went through it. You've made it through. Praise, praise God. Brother Kenny Bougay is another one that comes to mind. And his wonderful family. Been married for all these years with all those kids. Folks, I could just drop down and I could, I, I, I could, I praise God for every time I run across anybody that has made it together. And stayed together. Now on the flip side of that, we're fixing to deal with that here in the Pauline epistles. But I just wanted to take the time to say that and give credit where credit's due. Every time you run across, let me tell you guys something out there, the ones that are not married. Every time you run across some folks that have stayed together for the glory of God, I'm not talking about stayed together for the finances, one waiting on the other to die. That's not what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. You ought to stop, congratulate them, and let them know that what they're doing is in the sight of God of great price. You ought to do that. Just my advice to you. Continue on, brother, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches. Is any man 
called being circumcised, let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Okay, you remember what I... I well, I, do, I better not go that way. Keep on going, brother. I'm, I'm not going to go that far. It gets too deep. Go ahead. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Cared not for it. That don't but, mean that 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 care right there does not mean that you're you're supposed to when it says care not care not for it. It's mean don't be full of care about. It, don't be concerned about it. If you're called being a servant, do it for the Lord. Folks, we are. Listen. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, I could preach a sermon on this one verse up for an hour and a half. Abide in the calling wherein you were called. And I know it's running through some of you guys' minds and some of you ladies' minds, especially you downloaders. Well, where is my calling? Folks, you got some you folks they ain't never talked to you about your calling. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That means they come into the person. And God never takes that calling away. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They're given to you from God. It's up to you to do what it takes to find out what that calling is. All right? And if you ever come to the realization what it is and decide to run from it, let me tell you from experience. Your running won't get you far till you get the crap beat out of you, okay? A continuous a continuous pounding from the Creator. All right? I'll give you that one. And let me tell you something else about your calling. If you're sitting around waiting on some great way, if you know what it is, and you're sitting on waiting that, well, I'll do it tomorrow, or I'll do it next week, or I hadn't got this far. I That's not what it's all about. If you know the callings in your life, bless God, you better start heading down that path. You're not promised another day. And you don't want to take that last breath and pop up on the other side in 1 Corinthians 3 and 2 Corinthians 5 and not have started down the road that the Lord intended you to start down. We'll go over that tomorrow night. Continue, brother. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also, he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. That word servant, folks, by the way, is doulos. In the Greek, do you know what that is? That's slave. 
No mincing words in the Greek, you Greekers. So much for mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. That reprobate hussy that wrote that song for them blankety-blank Yankees. And honest, lying, sap-sucking Abe Lincoln. Stinking snake. If you're a servant, use it for the Lord. If you're not a servant, you're still the slave. If you're a slave, stay a slave. We dealt with that in Philemon. Remember, I don't know how many series we did on that little bitty book of Philemon. Go listen to it. It's all about a slave and a servant relationship, okay? And the Apostle Paul trying to work in his little way in there, all right? I thought it was a fantastic book myself. It is a fantastic, all of it's fantastic. This whole book's fantastic. It's God's Word. You're a slave. I mean, how many times has Paul got to tell you to present your body a living sacrifice? I'm not going to go screaming about that. I'll get into that tomorrow night. Go ahead, brother. Keep on. We're dealing with marriage. Go ahead. Ye are bought with a price. <laughs> can't get away from it. He can't even get away from it. Right in the middle, right in the middle of talking about marriage, he can't get away from it. Now y'all know why I am the way I am, all right? I spent 40 years, 40 years studying this guy, all right? Along with the rest of the Word of God. He can't even get away from it. He's talking about marriage, and he's even mentioning bought with a price. He's even, and he's the one that's doing all the talking. I started to go off a while ago, just a few seconds ago. And quote some more scripture that he wrote about this. That's how important this personal relationship is. And the ones that say there is no personal relationship, they can go to hell in a handbasket. Because that's exactly, probably, more than likely, unless they're so backslid, it's pitiful. That's where they're headed. You want to see fruit? You want to see our people change? I mentioned it the other night in the program. You've got to take care of your life first. No, you want to spend all your time talking about everybody else. You take care of your life first. The, that journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step, and the first step's you. And your little circle, you have an influence on somebody you may not even know it. Somebody's watching you. It may be your mama. It may be your daddy. It may be your stepdaddy. They're watching you. They don't want to hear your flowery language and words. They want to see it in your life. They don't want to hear your grand theological knowledge. They want to see Christ played out in your life. That'll win them quicker than anything. Like that old song says, Let my light be a light shining out through the night. Let me help struggling ones to the fold. Spreading cheer everywhere to the sad and the long. Let my life be a light 
to some soul. Ha! Ain't that a far cry from what's going on? Go ahead, brother. Now he's going to now now he's going to deal with something a lot of folks can't get figured out, and I ain't sure I do either. All right. Now concerning virgins. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Now concerning virgins, I have no commandment of the Lord. Okay. Yet I give. There's this honesty again. Yet he's fixing to give his judgment. And he's going to give his judgment because of everything he's experienced, his relationship with the Lord Jesus, and what he has learned. I would pay attention to what he said. Go ahead, brother. Yet I give my judgment as one that hath obtained mercy of the Lord to be faithful. I suppose, therefore, that this is good for the present distress. I say that it is good for a man so to be. Okay. This is good for a man so to be. A virgin man, I guess. I, I, this is this is the problem. This is the problem with this word virgins up here, folks. I'm going to show you the problem. Maybe you can figure it out. Okay? You, y'all are all smarter than me anyway. Verse 25. Now concerning virgins. All right? I'll show you the problem with that when we get to this next verse. Art thou bound unto a wife? That ain't no virgin. What's he talking about? That ain't no virgin. Thou bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. That is divorced in the Greek. You got it? Check it out if you don't believe me. Talking to the men. Keep that in mind. Art thou divorced? I'm just going to read it in the Greek. <laughs> All right? I'm going to read what the Greek says. Art thou divorced from a wife? Question mark. Seek not a wife. That's Paul's recommendation. Thinking that he has the Spirit of God. He's going to tell you that shortly. I'll just go and tell you. But he's giving it after one that is faithful. Having served the Lord and being faithful, he's giving his, his advice. Art thou bound to a wife? And like I said, I have no clue about verse 25. If you folks can come up with something, like I said, go for it. Let me know. I've heard all kind of different examples. I'm not going to even attempt it. I don't see how somebody could be married and still be a virgin myself, especially if he's telling them not to get divorced. I will give a possibility. All right? I better do that. I wouldn't be doing the Lord right if I didn't give this possibility. There is a possibility that he's talking about betrothal. All right? And let me tell you why. You remember that Mary and Joseph, that he was betrothed to Mary, 
and she was con- he was considered her husband, and she was considered his wife, even though they hadn't consummated the marriage. That's why when she came up the, impregnated by the Holy Ghost with Jesus, he thought to put her away privately. See, he had to have put her away. If they weren't considered husband and wife, he wouldn't have had to put her away. You see? This is a possibility. I said it's a possibility of what verse 27 is talking about in reference to verse 25. I've never in my entire Christian life heard anybody say what I've just told you guys. Okay? Never. If it's out there, I ain't never seen it. And I've pretty much been around the block. If y'all find it, praise the Lord, let me know. That is a possibility. I'm not saying it's doctrinally. I'm saying that's my opinion. That's the only way I can come up and reconcile those words, that word virgins up there, plural, with verse 27. All right? But let's go ahead and finish the rest of the discourse. Go ahead, Brother Jason. Well, I'll just finish. Art thou bound unto a wife? That's the reason when I saw that word, I'll tell y'all, when I saw that word bound, it made me think of betrothal. Therefore, I realized, I remembered about the way it was with Mary and Joseph. Therefore, I put the two together. That's why I came to the conclusion that I'd just given y'all. Art thou bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. But, see, here's where I run into the problem. Art thou loosed from a wife? Art thou divorced from a wife? Seek not a wife. What in the world, Paul? Seek not a wife. Well, if it was betrothal up here and not consummation, why is he telling them not to seek a wife? Why didn't he say that to start with? But still, if you could press the point, well, I may be getting deep, too deep. You could still press the point and keep it in the context of betrothal, okay? You could. And not be in error so far. So far. Art thou loose from a wife, divorced from a wife, seek not a wife. And then, of all things in the world, what does Paul say? But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. Well, who in the world didn't know that? You see, there's ambiguity up in here, folks, between verse 25 and verse 28. There's some ambiguity in there. And I have given y'all the only thing that I know of that makes sense. But who in the world didn't know that it was not a sin to get married? <laughs> See, how, how, the, it, it, it's wild. So, that being said, I'm going to go right back up here to verse 27, and I'm going to read it like 100% of the commentators that are honest which is probably half of 1%, will read it. Well, this day and time, they've loosened up their, their uh, lawyer strings a little bit because it's running rampant. And this is the problem they run into. They run into the problem, with, and, and now I'm going to speak on the other side of what I said about the, the great, wonderful marriages that I gave kudos to earlier. Now I'm going to jump on the other side from the grace perspective. This is the problem that pastors run into. 
They've got people that's been married for 30, 40, 50 years in their church and ain't worth the powder and shot it'd take to blow them to hell spiritually. Won't do nothing for the Lord, period. All they're concerned about is themselves and their family. But they go to church every Sunday, but they've been faithful to one another. Praise God for that. Yeah, amen. But they ain't worth the powder and shot take to blow them to hell when it comes to spirituality and walking in the Lord and working for the Lord. But yet they got somebody sitting in the back pew that's been married three times and divorced three times and if they to get married again, that's glory to God, hallelujah, loves Jesus Christ, then at the altar praying all the time, supports the church, ties regular, loves the Lord, pray God, everybody on this prayer, what do you do? What do you do with a situation like that? See, if you don't instill grace, you wind up with Phariseeism. If you don't instill grace into this equation, you, you wind up with self-righteousness to where one party looks down on the other party for their unfortunate circumstances, and they're more spiritual than the ones looking down on them, even though the ones looking down on them has kept the quote-unquote letter of the law. You see the problem? And then a lot of times, this day and time, when a person, just because they don't have a, they've got a marriage license and they hadn't got a, 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 a license of divorce or a, a divorce paper, they've run around on their wife 15 or 20 times and divorced her 15 or 20 times by flesh, leaving flesh, or the woman's run around on her husband and divorced her husband 15 or 20 times, but they still got a marriage certificate. You see, that marriage certificate don't mean jack squat. File 13. That's where it belongs. You see the problems you run into when dealing as a pastor and dealing with other people? That's just some of the problems you run into. Now we're going to drop back up here and we're going to read verse 27 on without worrying about the virgin part. Art thou bound to a wife? In other words, if you're married, you've committed to her, and she's committed to you, and everything is lovely. Art thou bound unto a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Do not think about divorce. Get it out of your mind. Obey the Lord. Sir, be the Lord's free man up here. And continue on in the grace of God. You serve the Lord and do what you're supposed to do. Do right. All right? Okay? Are thou bound to a wife? Seek not to be loosed. Don't even let divorce come into the equation. But, art thou loose from a wife? Are you divorced from a woman, from a wife? Seek not a wife. That is the perfect will of God. Paul just got through telling you. He thought he was right at the very kickoff of the chapter. He wished everybody was as he was. You know, he wanted everybody to be celibate and run around. All right? Like him, bachelor. That'd be the perfect will of God. And he's going to explain later why it's that way, folks. Because remember, see, in dealing and teaching and, and, and thinking when you're going through the scriptures, you have to understand the context of the whole thing. 
They're looking for the immediate return, the preeminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each and every one of the apostles were. It's called the doctrine of preeminency, preeminency, okay? Each one of them writes just as if Christ is coming back tomorrow or the next day. Paul's the only one that realizes later on in his ministry that it's at a time to come. And I've mentioned it before when I taught Second Timothy. If some of you, if it just flew over your head, go back and listen to Second Timothy again. Paul's the only one that realized that, hey, it's, you know, I guess we just got the dates wrong. <laughs> we should have quit thinking about dates. But anyway, that's what you have to, you have to put all that in context when, you, when, you're, when you're reading the, the Scriptures and studying. All right? Art thou bound to a wife? Seek not a wife. I mean, thou loose from a wife, or thou divorced from a wife? Seek not a wife. But, 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 if you are divorced, but, if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. And a lot of commentators, they will take the part from verse 26 to verse 28 down to, um, down to um, the comma, thou hast not sinned. They'll take that semicolon from 28 back to verse 26, back to verse 25, where it talks about virgins. They'll, they'll skip the virgin part, and they'll say the virgin part kicks in after the semicolon in verse 28. All right? That's what they'll say. Is it right? Are they right? It's possible. Paul does this sometimes. He speaks like this sometimes, and especially in the book of Romans. Okay? He's all over the place in the book of Romans sometimes. So maybe that's what he did here, because the word virgins occurs right after this semicolon. But, and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. Well, who didn't know that? Semicolon. And if a virgin marry. Now he mentions the virgin. You just you you got to try to think like the Apostle Paul, all right. It, it is possible that that's exactly what he did from verse twenty six down to half part of verse twenty eight. That's very possible. He does it like I said. He does the same thing in Romans. And if a virgin married, she has not sinned. Well, who didn't know that if a virgin married, that she hadn't sinned? You know, why is he saying these rhetorical, this, making these rhetorical statements? Nevertheless, such, such what? Such virgins that marry and people that's been married and divorced and remarried, nevertheless such, the people that's bound from a wife and then got loose from a wife and then saw the wife. Now, see, the other the people out there in the world try to read that the, art thou bound to a wife, they, they'll read art thou bound to a husband. They'll read in the woman... And the man, that's not, you cannot do that here because he plainly brings in she talking about the women folk down in verse 28. And I'm probably getting way too deep for some of you folks. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh. And that's a fact. That's a fact. I can tell you from experience, when you get you married the second time and the third time, you'll have trouble in the flesh. Certain things will pop up, and unless you stay at the foot of the cross, 
the problems will get bigger and bigger and bigger. I can tell you folks what not to do. Okay, I trust me. I'm an expert at tell, at tell. I can tell you what not to do if you want to stay together. Not what to do, what not to do. Nevertheless, such shall have trouble in the flesh, but I spare you. Paul's talking to the church here. All right. Continue with verse 29, brother. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. It remaineth that both they that have wives be as though they had none. And Paul slips this little prophecy in here and don't even know he's doing it. I made mention of this, and when I talk 1 Corinthians, and nobody ever brings it up because it's a fact, okay? The time is short. This shows you the preeminence that Paul was thinking. The time is short. The time is short what? The time is short because he's expecting the Lord to come back. But he says, after that comma, that both the time, both they that have wives be as though they had none. He's saying there'll be a time coming. The time remaineth and shall be. The time is short. It remained that they that had wives would be as though they had none. And that's just exactly the way it is today. With people running around with the prenuptial agreements and all that junk. Anyway, verse 30, brother, go ahead. And they that weep as though they wept not, and they that rejoice as though they rejoice not, and they that buy as though they possess not. Beautiful prophecy. You can slap it down right down here on 2015. Continue on, brother. And they that use this world as not abusing it, for the fashion of this world passeth away. But I would have you without carefulness, he that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord. I can absolutely say amen to that. Absolutely, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that's as true as John 3.16. How do I know that? By experience. The uncumbered ability, if you're a minister, to be able to devote your time to the book and devote your time to study and devote your time to prayer Without the other things that encumbers and things that go on in a marriage, I can assure you, without any shadow of a doubt, that this is an absolute bona fide fact. All right? And the ones on the receiving end are all the better for that, by the way. My loss, I'll put it this way my loss is your gain. And glory to God for it. That's enough said about that. Go ahead, brother. how he may please the Lord, but he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. There is difference also between a wife and a virgin. No, I'm not going to get off into that. We've been on a long time. Go ahead, brother. The unmarried woman careth for the things of the Lord, that 
she may be holy both in body and in spirit. Man, would to God there's more of them. You know, most women now that's not married run around trying to stick their nose in somebody else's business and bad mouth somebody that's trying to stir up trouble. At least that's what I've run into. Continue going, brother. But she that is married careth for the things of the world, how she may please her husband. And this I speak for your own profit. Not that I may cast a snare upon you, but for that which is comely, and that ye may attend upon the Lord without distraction. But if any man think that he behaveth himself uncomely toward his virgin... Okay, I've got to bring this out here. I've got to, folks, this, is, this harkens right back to what I, the reason I gave you the explanation back up in verse 25 about Joseph and Mary, all right? If anybody hearken, if, if any man thinketh that he behaveth himself uncommonly toward his virgin, that is definite. In my mind, there is no doubt this is a betrothal and it's somebody that's been pledged to somebody else, all right? No telling how long the betrothal has been. Could have been since the girl was seven, eight, nine, ten years old. Who knows the way it used to be, the way it was. All right? And the kicker, the what it is, what the reason the reason I know for a fact that's what this is talking about is because of what comes after the next what comes after this comma. Go ahead. If she pass the flower of her age and need so require, let him do what he will, and he sinneth not. Let them marry. Bingo. You see? That's puberty. Got it? Do I have to get graphic about the flower of her age and all this junk today? All, I'm not going to go off there. Keep on going, brother. We've been on too long. Go ahead. Nevertheless, he that standeth steadfast in his heart, having no necessity but hath power over his own will, and hath so decreed in his heart that he will keep his virgin, doeth well. Okay, that's a man that just is like Mary and Joseph was before they came together. That's why he thought to put her away. That's why I came to the conclusion that I told you about. Go ahead, brother. So then, he that giveth her in marriage, doeth well. But he that giveth her not in marriage, doeth better. Now he's just reaffirming about if you don't marry, you can do to the Lord. And if you, you know, if you do marry, then you're going to worry about taking care of your wife and you can't attend to the Lord. And the same thing with a woman. Go ahead, brother. The wife is bound okay, by whoa, the whoa, law. Whoa, 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 whoa. Verse 39 through 40. This is nobody, not 99.99% of the folks will not deal with these last two verses. You think I've been making this stuff up from Mark and making this stuff up here about the double standard? Watch what Paul says now. If you don't get this, if you don't understand this, you just don't understand the Word of God, period. You ain't never going to get it. You've got preconceived ideas, and you ain't changing for the Spirit of God or nobody. All right? You can't get no plainer than what Paul's fixing to say. Go ahead, brother. 
The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth. But if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. But she is happier if she so abide after my judgment, and I think also that I have the Spirit of God. Okay, that is as plain as day. You can't get any plainer than that. The only caveat to this is back up in the back up in verse 26 and 27 28 okay that's the caveat to this verse you're under grace now folks this is the new covenant this is the new covenant how else could a man say all things are lawful for me but all things are not expedient that means that you could do anything all right but you shouldn't do everything you see that's caused many to jump off into hyper-grace. They're called hyper-dispensationalists, hyper-grace people that believe you can live like hell. I think that I've always said these people that out there in uh, Corinthian identity, that's exactly what they think, all right? But they don't even understand the precepts of grace. They never got involved in the grace part, all right? You've got to get in the door before you can be a member of the household, period, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we've had to spend the night together. Father, I hope something that I have said that the Holy Spirit will take it and use it for your honor and your glory, Father. Meet back with us tomorrow night, Father, and we will pick up and we'll be talking about the rewards and inheritance of the saints, Father, in glory. Give us wisdom and understanding in that subject, Father. Bless each and every one in the chat room and all those that download. For it's in your precious holy name I pray these things, and for his sake alone, amen and amen. God bless you guys. I'll see you tomorrow night. Don Spears Ministries, 3155 Louisville Street, D1, Clow, Alabama, 36017, telephone 334-397-2333, email joydon1953 at yahoo.com. Oh. Uh...